Truman, are you a soul man? I do like to wear shoes a lot. I am actually, <laughs> I am adamantly opposed to going barefoot under almost all circumstances. So yes, Landon, I am a soul man. Are you a soul man? I, I when I asked you the question, realized that I had intended to ask, are we not soul men? No, <sighs> we are. Grunt work. <laughs> uh, that's okay. That's that's good. That's 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 better. We can do. We can re rack and do that again if you yeah. want to get the Devo reference in there. Right. Take two. Take two. Okay. okay take two. Take. All right. Yeah. Ask me again. Ask me again. Okay. German. Yeah, are we not soul men. Uh, okay. Wait, 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 over take each three. other now. Take, take, take three. Take three. Okay. I, take three. I'll just okay. We got it this time. Okay. Right. Okay. Go. Here we go. When a problem comes around, you must whip it. Yeah. It's soul man. What? It's. <laughs> 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 I mean, look, Landon. I, let's. I, I yeah. have to respect the audacity of of you starting our episode about a TV show named after a song <laughs> memorably written by Isaac Hayes and performed like by the Blues Brothers with a Devo reference, a type of music that is decidedly not soul music. I don't know. Wait, I, I, was I, Soul Man the song written by Isaac Hayes? I mean, well, according to the Wikipedia uh, page for the TV series Soul Man, the theme song was Soul Man, written by Isaac Hayes and David Porter. Oh, yeah, about that. I didn't know that. Well, uh, well, look, then Soul Man has done exactly one good thing for us. It is giving you some education about how Isaac Hayes continues to be great, except except for his choice of religion. No, no, and it's given me a lot of bad things in that uh, I know Soul Man primarily as a Blues Brothers song, which furthers the point of how much Blues Brothers has appropriated from blues culture so and funk and soul culture. And I will agree with you, yes. I will also say, and I guess we're going to be talking about Blues Brothers today, you kind of can't not when it's the Croyd. Um, I'll say that, look, acknowledging that Blues Brothers is appropriation and all of that it's a good act. They're good performers and musicians. I'm not saying it's okay that they're playing it off like these two white boys invented all this music or whatever, but it's fun to watch at least, and it's not... It, we were talking... I'm sorry, we spoke on a night's episode about Neil Diamond and the Jazz Singer. Oh, God, you sound like you sound like Mr. Orange at the beginning of Reservoir Dogs right now. Did someone shoot you? I... I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just, there's way, I don't know how much I'm agreeing with you. There's just way. I mean, look, there's just way more offensive things out there than that. I agree, it's not cool, but it's a, like seeing them perform Soul Man on SNL. I mean, that's some kick-ass okay. dancing. Those are two dudes. We can draw some lines game. in the sand. Yes, we're here. We're not talking about home improvement for once. There'll be a little oh. bit. We're getting a little dash of HI in our Soul oh, Man, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but we're here to talk about the Croyd, and we're here to talk about. Soul Man. So, yeah, let's let's delineate some lines. Okay. Yes, the the original Saturday Night Live um, stuff. Good. I love it. It's good. It's good. It's great. Makes that because he has the energy and the effortless cool to pull it off, and I feel like he's got an authentic love of the music. Yes. Well, let me rephrase that. Because so does Dan Aykroyd. He has an authentic love of the music, but he's not able to pull off the cool <laughs> the way that John Belushi can. D- Dan Aykroyd is is like a white guy who goes to New Orleans Jazz Fest and then goes back to, you know, goes back home to Nebraska and is like, honey, kids, I'm all about jazz now. This is my thing. It's like, it's uh, a very passionately yeah. beloved hobby for him. I don't know. I mean, I I truly believe he, he loves it and lives the blues life. I just... <laughs> 
don't <laughs> think he knows. There's a disconnect between that love and knowing how to present it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Presentation tends to be hard for him. <laughs> uh, that said, the Blues Brothers movie, very good. I love that movie. Uh, John Landis, who directed it, that's a complicated <laughs> issue that it's not for this episode. No, not uh, for this episode. I'm just saying... I think you have to take each iteration and instance of the Blues Brothers for its own worth. Uh, because by the time you get to Blues Brothers 2000, which, by the way, is after this, <laughs> what we are going to discuss today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this was his is, glide path to Blues Brothers 2000. It's an abomination to man. Uh, it is hands down in the top three worst films I've ever seen that actively make me angry. There has been, I, I feel like, I feel like sooner or later we've got to watch Blues Brothers 2000 because I'm finding myself talking to you about it more and more often. I, and that's the way everything happens. It's the one thing I refuse to do. I will never watch that movie again. There's not a podcast or amount of money in the world that would get me to sit down there, and watch that movie again. Folks, there completely is. There completely is there's a podcast or amount not. of money. I will not no, do it. No, no, you're telling decline. You're telling me if like David Byrne like sat down to the first podcast and was like, Landon, I want to talk to you about uh, the, about that that movie Blues Brothers 2000. They didn't put me in it. Uh, Marty, would <laughs> be like, you made a good choice. Good for you. Well, yeah, but he'd still like conversation like, over. If David Byrne wanted to watch Blues Brothers 2000 with you, and if Jonathan Demi was still alive and wanted to film that as yeah. as just like a concert experience, I I think you would do it, Landon. I, I don't I think agree. I would. I don't think I, I would admire your passion. I wouldn't want to sully my love and appreciation for David Byrne or Jonathan Demi. Rest in peace. Okay. Well, look. Um. I, you know. This is this is great, you know. This is all really good, but I also wanna I also wanna point <laughs> out that it does not tie into the show that we watch no. that we are ostensibly talking about. Soul I know, Man, I'm trying to avoid it, starring the Croyd. We did I don't not know why avoid I'm trying to Croyd. avoid it by also talking about something I hate. So <laughs> let's let's uh, let's bring this around. This, this is negative tenor to the podcast lately, folks. Okay, continue. I, continue. Listen. You you put you're a great Dan listener. Aykroyd dancing in front of me, and you're gonna put me on edge. I don't know how else to frame it. I, I, I cannot bring good energy out of that. I like I like his dancing quite a lot in the original Blues Brothers performance on SNL in the early '80s. Something he, has been lost. There's something, he's something younger. Lost. He's hyper. He's just kind of feeling the vibes. Dude, now, dude's got dude's got moves. Dude's got some footwork. White, that white man can jump. It's it's specifically. The arm movement and the like bouncing up and down while he's kind of waving his hands at his side. It's kind of like cool. feeling the groove that yeah. like m gives like I I, just, I right now I'm feeling the chills go down my spine for how fucking bad it makes me feel. Oh, that like, makes you feel I bad. I kind of like in it. Humanity. I kind of like it, man. It's just he's just got abandoned. He's just a weird dude, just being weird. Not now. Okay, <laughs> we're we're getting a little ahead of ourselves because I did have a moment in this episode where I. I had a little nostalgia for his weirdness and yeah. uh, I thought back to his like early stuff and I'm like, man, I wish I had more of the weird Croyd. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like I'm thinking neighbors, uh, Dr. Detroit. Yeah. Nothing but trouble as a mess as that yeah. is like we gave him carte blanche to just be weird. Here is some money to invest in your weirdness. Do with it what you will. I, I look, Landon, we're having similar impressions because what I came away from this thinking is just that, like, I 
like this episode more than anything, it made me think about how I would like to see Dan Aykroyd in things, but in a certain context, he does not, yeah. he is miscast. He does not work as a like widowed father of four who has to be this kind of cute and cuddly guy who's like raising his kids and bouncing back from a tragedy. Like Dan Aykroyd works as a dorky authoritarian figure. He's better as the bad guy <laughs> in a comedy movie. He is or, or like or a weird goofball. Like he he's he kind of only works as 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 the bad guy. I'm sorry. He just does. He's just like as a as because he can he kind of can only kind of just do this you can uh, and this doesn't really work when he's saying i love you honey and let it's me get you some more variation. hair curlers it's just a variation of marty from fraser it is a variation well marty's more like this dan Aykroyd is more like this it's a clearer voice so it's not as good i don't know <laughs> folks folks anyone who's watched this episode it's on youtube don't watch it you'll agree with me i just don't think that Right. Him, him having to interact with with a whole lot of young children. I, I just don't think that that is where he is best played. He is the guy who should be popping a child's balloon with a cigar. He's great at that. Let's let's rewind a little bit and tell people what this bonus episode is about. If you're oh, here you didn't do that just yet? tuning in for Grunt Work, the only podcast about the TV show Home Improvement. Oh, sorry, boy. folks, you done this goofed. Soul Men, the only podcast about the TV show Soul Man, starring Dan Aykroyd. And um, because we are primarily a home improvement podcast, we thought, well, Soul Man is in the home improvement universe. This is the first spinoff of that show. <laughs> spinoff is even, uh, I, I don't know, it puts a bad taste in my mouth because they, they had the idea for Soul Man and then they thought, well, we'll use home improvement as a launching pad. And it, it just felt calculated and it, did not work. It makes the, frankly, uh, offensive assumption that just everyone who lives in Michigan knows each other. Like, that's just a thing that people are always saying. I, I bet you have to well, deal with true. that all the time, Truman. Landon. I don't you know, know, the, know that. I know everybody from Michigan. Well, okay. I mean, to be fair, when I met you, you you did exclude, you were hanging out with a large group of people who <laughs> primarily grew up in the Detroit metro area. So I kind of did assume that all people from Michigan <laughs> knew each other. <laughs> Because it, it's in the Home Improvement universe, we thought to do our due diligence, we need to watch at least one of the episodes with the Home Improvement cast. Yes. Unfortunately, a lot of Soul Man has been lost to time, especially Somehow. the first season of Soul Man, those first five Th episodes. I think that it was, I think it was, I believe it was just three episodes, Landon. They oh, only three got episodes? three for that first seasons. Oh, okay. Maybe I've got my numbers wrong, but, uh, those three episodes, those first, that first season, that very short first season, had the episodes with Tim Taylor and Al Borland in them. So we cannot watch them. They they are unavailable. I've looked for the DVD of Soul Man, and man, I would have gritted my teeth if I had to continue to own that after doing this bonus episode. So I'm kind of glad I was spared from that. But so I'm assuming you couldn't find it because there it does. It's never been released. Oh, this, wow. it, watching it here on YouTube is the only way, and I'm not sure if you noticed the commercial blips. Oh, man, I really <laughs> wish those commercial blips had been fully preserved commercials. I, that would have too. been the best part of the show. <laughs> um, so what we decided to watch is the episode with Zachary Tide Bryan playing Brad Taylor. It's season two, episode five, Public Embarrassment and Todd's First Sermon. Yep. So it's yep. a title that rolls off the tongue. Mm, it's so good. It's so good. It's like they, they seamlessly intertwine the two things. Um, <laughs> so, like, so can we talk about the Brad Taylor in the room right now? 
No, we can't. I think we should first synopsize this, and then we can just have kind of a freewheeling conversation okay. about let's this. Let's have a freewheeling. Okay, okay, let's not. Okay. Do you want to? Do you want to take uh, one half of the plot, and I'll take the other half of the plot? Uh, yes, sure. Okay. So you go first. when uh, when uh, I'm trying to re- wait, Mike Weber, Mark Weber, Mike, Mike Weber. When Reverend Mike Weber, played by Dan Aykroyd, uh. Uh, comes uh, finds that his oldest son Kenny has snuck away from a family gathering to hang out one on one with some girls. He's upset, but then he discovers that the reason that uh, his son Kenny is avoiding him—I didn't write this out ahead of time, if you can't tell—is uh, <laughs> because is because his son finds his dad embarrassing, and Mike Weber is upset by this. But ultimately, uh, when he uh, sings and dances in front of the congregation. <laughs> Uh, his son and his son's girlfriend think he's really cool. Uh, Landon, you take the other half. Okay. The other half is that the uh, apprentice reverend. Okay. Yeah. We're bumping up. We're bumping up against Landon's and my utter lack of religion in our lives. I have no idea what you call the underling who quote unquote works at the church for Mike Weber, but is clearly inexperienced. Yes, he uh, has just finished seminary school and feels he is now ready to do his first sermon to the congregation. Uh, Mike, Reverend Mike Weber, played by Dan Aykroyd, <laughs> is not uh, doesn't think he's quite ready for it yet. But despite um, other people's uh, investors' protests, we we got some things uncovered for this. How how does plot. how does church work, guys? Can someone write in? <laughs> Someone who believes in God, please explain to me how how you people run your shit, because this show confused me. Yes, uh, despite some people's protest uh, about letting him get up and give the sermon, uh, Reverend Mike Weber, played by Dan Aykroyd, allows Todd to do so, uh, knowing that he will crash and burn. And Todd does, but at the last second, Reverend Mike Weber, played by Dan Aykroyd, saves him by uh, invoking the power of the gospel choir. Yeah, you know, one of those predominantly white churches that nonetheless has a gospel choir, you know how that's a thing. Apparently, I mean, I don't know, maybe it is a thing. Uh, Can we just touch on that now so that it doesn't loom over the episode? Because it'll be in the back of my mind the whole friggin' time. Yes. It's It's a church in Detroit. Suburban Detroit. Suburban Detroit. And... Okay, to to the show's, I don't even want to say to its credit, but there were some um, people of color in the congregation themselves. But sure, Mike is Mike Reverend Mike Weber, played by Dan Aykroyd. He's white. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> dropping dropping some hot takes on this here episode of of Soul Men. Todd is white. Um, the older preacher, um, who is kind of the the tutelage of Mike Weber. Uh, played by Dan Aykroyd. He's white. Uh, spo- spoiler alert: Everyone's white. Like, just, just, just clipping this, clipping this thing along in case you were yeah, wondering. Yeah, okay. Uh, the but they have an entirely black gospel choir at their disposal. Yeah, it's weird. It's it's, it's like, just weird. It's it's like it's like all the black people in our flock joined the choir because black people are all such good singers. I I don't know. I'm not saying that's what the show is saying. I'm just saying it's it's odd that they just picked like. The like, what are the bits of Christianity that work really well on TV? Uh, okay, well, yeah. du- dudes in collars and a gospel choir that sings and dances, and everybody has fun. That's those are. The, I, I think 
you you touched on that part of it where I think it's more Dan Aykroyd going, well, we had a gospel choir in Blues Brothers, and that allowed me to do some dancing. I think we need that kind of energy on the show. And I I do love yeah I, I again we haven't watched any other episodes of Soul Man, so we don't know if this is the only time he dances, but. I'm assuming he dances a lot on this show. Just- I gotta imagine it's in the theme song. Although, I will give the show more props if he does backflips like they do in the James Brown sequence of the movie. Yes, the backflips that are very clearly being done by Dan Aykroyd and not some enthusiastic stunt performer wearing a black suit. Uh, <laughs> that's all we had to say. We just had to acknowledge that. Okay, yeah, that's okay, off the table. Let's okay, just move forward with, Let's go on. All right. with whatever the hell it is that we just watched. Okay, so... I I thought I've got some questions that might open this up to a nice discussion. All right, perfect. Okay. Um, We are clearly not watching this episode by episode. No. So, um, first and foremost, how much of you being lost (laughs) can be attributed to that? I don't... I don't... Honestly, I don't think that much, because I get the concept, okay? I read the Wikipedia synopsis, and and these shows are supposed to be a thing that a person can drop into the middle of and get it immediately. So I get... That okay, he's a he's a preacher and he's got a preacher or a pastor. I don't know which one it is, but a reverend. Uh, a reverend. Okay, so he's a reverend. Okay, again, reverend Mike Weber. Uh, again, r- 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 right in uh, Gruntwork Podcast one hundred two one two Fake Street, Los Angeles, uh, and explain to us how church works. But uh, so okay, he he's widowed. He has four kids. Oh man, you've got to be a reverend. And tend to your flock, but you've also got this flock of kids, and maybe you're trying to date, because I guess Episcopalians can fuck? I don't know. Uh, I would assume, given that he has four kids. Um, I So, like, I, I'm not really lost in the, what does all this mean? I'm mainly lost in the, I, I get what this means, and none of it works. Like, just well, none just of the pieces in terms fit. of not having the character backstory. Like, I, I don't... No backstory would help this land, and there's no, it's not like I none of my reaction is like this confused. Like there's a reference at one point where he's got he's tinkering with his motorcycle because again I guess yep. everyone in Michigan just loves classic cars. <laughs> Nobody can be into chess or like or like yep. painting acrylics. No, it's all just no, fucking we, with a car. We all had a uh, uh, some sort of hot rod or motorcycle between the years of 1933 and 1967. In our front yards, unfinished. Yes, yeah, and it was something that you'd you'd have big talks with family members whilst working on it. But why they called us the Motor City? That's because everyone had a rusted out motor sitting on their lawn at some point. Um, There's there's one, but there's one point where he's tinkering with his motorcycle, and the older uh, senior reverend, I guess, comes out and says, "Oh, did the police find it?" And he goes, "Yeah, after the vultures picked it over." And so it's like. Oh, okay. Clearly, that's a reference to a previous episode. His motorcycle got stolen. That must have been a thing. I like that didn't. <laughs> the thing that didn't work about that scene wasn't. I don't understand the rich backstory of the motorcycle. The thing that didn't work is that the jokes aren't funny and the characters don't have chemistry with one another. Okay. <clears throat> so, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Um, how do we go into this? Okay, I'm going to talk a little bit about the writing and pacing of this to me, I was like, why isn't this show working? And it it comes down to the writing and the editing of it. And, and the croid of it, I think a little bit too. Well, I don't know. There, there was one or two moments where I'm like, Oh, he has comic timing. There's a reason that he, you know, has been picked to head a, a a series. Like he has comedic timing. Sure. 
the jokes, they build a momentum and then with one joke and then the next beat, they completely deflate the momentum that they had going. Yes. And it, that is the the pace through the whole show is like yes. big laugh. Also, that was a laugh and now the scene's ending. Like mm-hmm. there, there's a, a space between when the laugh was and when they end the scene. And it's just like, oh, okay, so there's really just no energy to this show. I Almost every joke is followed by a beat of everyone acknowledging that a joke was just told and kind of like <laughs> like reveling in the joke or pointing an arrow to the joke and inviting us to consider the joke if we have not already. Yes. Um, and I was going to go into real quick. Uh, I wanted to see who... So, worth mentioning. Uh, I, I even feel a little bad saying this. This is directed by John Pasquin. This yes. particular episode, <laughs> John Paskin, who we have interviewed, yes, um, written by Pat Doherty, who wrote. Okay, now this is interesting because I, I was going to bring the show up naturally anyway, but uh, wrote for Empty Nest um, mm-hmm. and then a bunch of other shows that didn't really go anywhere. So yeah. <laughs> those two things in particular are. Uh, I actually wrote some episodes of Coach, but uh, those two things are. The primary uh, conversation topics I wanted to have here, which is, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Empty Nest. I'm, I'm not really, no. You're not. I, no, I know that it's a show, but I, and I'm looking up the Wikipedia page right now, so I will be familiar soon. But Empty maybe Nest, explain it to other people. Empty Nest is a show that follows a doctor and his wacky neighbor and some of his family oh. as he goes about things. But the big thing yes. about it is that it's a spinoff of The Golden Girls. Now... For the first couple seasons, it it was its very much its own thing, but once the Golden Girls ended and they did Golden Palace without B. Arthur, and that failed, what they did was they started to fold in Sophia, Rose, and Blanche into Empty Nest as recurring characters. Well, okay, because I'm I... wondering if that was the intention with Soul Man. I'm I'm now I'm recognizing this. Now, as I'm reading about it, in in the Golden Girls episodes I'm watching, periodically this dude shows, you know, this pediatrician, yep. Dr. Harry Weston, and I think he has a dog or something, but he, he yep. keeps oh, yeah. coming Big over, and, and from time to time, it's and they feature him so prominently, and now I'm, okay, so, so first, he was intruding on the Golden Girls, and then he got his own show, and when the Golden Girls show folded and they couldn't get them onto another show, they then the Golden Girls start intruding on his show. That's actually yep. kind of beautiful maybe that's kind of yes. the reason i love tv sitcoms so much is because they do well, that. I, th- I think that that was kind of a proven uh thing for a while like the jeffersons were appearing on all in the family before the jeffersons were the jeffersons and then they got their very successful spinoff and then there was a a spinoff of that which uh, i can't recall off the top of my head but i think that was how these things typically worked for this particular instance, the the episode where Reverend Mike Weber, played by Dan Aykroyd, appeared on Home Improvement, <laughs> felt like such a marketing ploy as opposed to, why don't we try a new character? And if it's interesting, you know, he we can give him his own show. Mm-hmm. It was like they gave Dan Aykroyd his own show first, and they're like, we need a launching pad for this. Let's shoehorn him into this episode of Home Improvement wait, and wait, th- bring this- the yeah. This patient needs a defibrillator. Let's uh, let's shock him with uh, 150 volts of an appearance on Home Improvement <laughs> to see if that gets his heart started again. And I don't know why they went why based on that episode of Home Improvement they didn't just go, 
yeah, um, maybe we don't want to do this. <laughs> yeah, shut it down, folks. Uh, but they didn't, and they moved forward with it. Because I, I, I have to imagine the the secret motor, like this is the, the Ford shell with a Mitsubishi engine in it. And that Mitsubishi is home improvement. And they're like, we need a place to put these home improvement actors after home improvement ends. <laughs> that That is a very Michigan way of describing that concept, Landon, that you that you used putting a new motor into the frame of an old car. I can I can I can hear your oh, your, God. Uh, your Detroit suburbs heritage just roaring outside as it speeds down the street drag racing with oh, some other kids. Dear God. What's um, become of me? I, I do like it though, yeah, that, that, that there was just this idea of okay, we need a farm team for all the people who uh, aren't securing a major motion picture yeah. deal coming out of home improvement. Like JTT and Tim Allen are going to move on, but what about Patricia Richardson, Zachary Ty Bryan? Uh, okay, so now I think is a great time to talk about the Zachary Ty Bryan of this episode, which you wanted to do a moment ago because I feel like the the table is now set to talk about his involvement here and i I put question marks on both sides of that yes so what like if they had cast any other actor for the the friend of mike webster's weber's kid like you would not even remember that there was a friend in this episode i i I barely do when it's brad i i like they don't (laughs) they didn't even need honestly if i'm a producer and i'm looking at the script it's like you don't even need a best friend character he just comes home with his girlfriend from the thing we'll explain uh like brad's only role in this episode i found is to kind of laugh at things happening, compare them to things happening on home improvement and then exit exactly. the scene. So he's basically doing our job, but from within the episode, <laughs> it just, just like, Oh, this reminds me of home improvement. This also is the thing that my father would do. But one time he did this. Zachary Ty Bryant, Brad Taylor in this episode is like Applebee's using rock and roll music to tap into your nostalgia, uh, to, hope that you you transfer it to their food like yeah. <laughs> he he's Wait, there the, to the, go do you know this other thing that tim the tool man character taylor character that you love that show that is uh you know one of the hi- highest rated shows of abc and all primetime television remember that show that you love that i'm from well what? i'm gonna mention it here and you're gonna think that this show is just as good it's it's some kind of like he's he's trying to yeah he's tr- he's trying to transfer some of his authority as a character from the beloved hit show Home Improvement to the character uh, to to the show uh, Soul yeah. Man. He's like hey hey remember how happy you are when you see me normally? Well, aren't you feeling happy now watching this show? Maybe you'll keep watching it when yeah, I'm never here yeah. again. But it, it there there's no substance behind it. There is no joy in seeing Brad Taylor here because. It's not Brad Taylor. It's Zachary Ty Bryan playing a character named Brad Taylor. Just like it's a pale imitation. He's just saying it says home improvement on the tin, but on the inside, it's not at all. It's a pod person. It's like it's like seeing uh, Christopher Lloyd in person versus going to Universal Studios Hollywood and a non-union actor in a white wig coming up to you and going, "Oh, I'll see you on the ride." Oh, Marty! Like he's like a yes. he's like a walk around Brad Taylor at a at a theme park who you take a picture with, and it's like, oh, that was kind of cool. I never thought that was the real guy. Um, oh my god! Also, yeah, exactly. 
the and the logic for him being at the house also is kind of weird for me because it's like he walks in at the beginning and it's like, oh, thanks for, you know, thanks for letting me stay with you, Pastor Weber, you know, my, or Reverend Weber, my, my dad, you know, my dad broke a hole in the roof of my, of my bedroom trying to mow the lawn. Um, but like, the, just the, the concept of like, okay, well, Brad can't stay with us for some reason. He can't just bunk in with his brothers. Brad can't stay with us. Let's send him to stay with the single father of four <laughs> children. This is a guy who needs another kid to look after. Our son who was once brought home by the police. Let's send Truman, him over to this guy where he's completely outnumbered already. Yes, Landon. I, I'm going to tell you how little impact this made on me. Okay. I got the, my dad's installing a skylight in my room because he was long, mowing the lawn. I got that joke. Yeah. I watched this episode three times. Landon, now, why? Now, before no. you say that, before, but, 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 before you go on, I watch it at double speed. <laughs> Still gross. Still weird. So it's it's the equivalent of watching it one and a half times. Um, <laughs> it's like saying, like, oh, yeah, I, I, I jerked off to the Kennedy assassination video, but I only God. looked at it through, like, a pi- through, like I had a piece of paper with only a small hole poked in it, so I only saw a little bit of it. Like, no, it's still gross. <laughs> yeah. You've really derailed me now. I Okay, so, I, okay, I got I'm back on track. I, I, I watched this three times. It wasn't until you said it just now that I realized Brad was staying with them. I you thought he even... was just visiting which made the the line where um dan Aykroyd comes home and catches them with the the girls and brad says i'll drive you home and mike says and you'll be right back right like yeah i'm like why would he come back that late at night why wouldn't he just go home <laughs> also wait also why would brad have one of the Taylor family's cars with him when he's just staying with the Webbers for a couple days. Like, why would why would Tim leave the car with him? I don't Could, know. I, <laughs> like, there's not an... Brad doesn't have a car. If Brad had his own car, there would have been an episode about it. Brad borrows the Nomad right. when he drives somewhere. Maybe... Maybe they live in walking distance of each other. Uh, I don't know the proximity. I feel like we, we've been deprived of that without the, the Tim Taylor or Al Borland episodes. Yes, this is, this is true. This is true. Uh, we've, that's, how our, does, uh, that's, a, that's a big question mark, is how does Soul Man establish itself in the home improvement universe? It's got to be through one of those early episodes. Maybe there was a Tool Time episode or something. Folks, we don't want to watch more of this show, but I'm just putting it out. If you can find us those two episodes that have been lost to history, we will watch them. We will talk about them. You know them. what? I I just thought of a place I can check that oh. I didn't check before. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm going to do it. The, the dark <laughs> web. I'm going to do this in real time. The dark webber, if you will. Um, so, and just as an overview, because I don't know how how deeply or like beat by beat we need to go through this, but like no, the. We don't. The, the 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 thrust of it is that in the first scene, uh, Mike Weber is getting his family, all four of his kids, ready to go to the Cineplex for family movie night. They're all going to watch a movie together. Brad Taylor also is going to join them. Uh, his young, his oldest son Kenny is complaining about having to spend time with his embarrassing dad. Next scene is uh, after the. Uh, like, basically, he and the family go in one car, and then Brad and Kenny go in another car. But then, wouldn't you know it, rather than going to the movie, Brad and Kenny double back, pick up their girlfriends, and are chilling on the couch at the empty house watching a movie. But then, uh, the Croyd and the other kids come back early because they're, the G-rated movie they wanted to see was sold out, and they catch him 
and Brad on the couch with the girls. That's basically the first half of this episode, or the first third of this yeah. episode. Just so you know what's happening now, that's good. You're fine. Don't We don't need to explain <laughs> well, I, more than I, that. I think you covered that in the, the synopsis as well, but... Uh, not not no, as well you, as you, I did now. Not, yeah, uh, there's some details there. Um, what, do you want to depart for a second? I just looked on archive.org, and I did not find it, so uh, those episodes certainly are lost to time. Um, Things on archive.org are public domain, usually. I don't I don't think uh, Soul Man is public domain. As, as, a fa- as a fan of the American public owning things, this is one thing that I don't think we the people should own. This should, I don't, I don't want my taxes to subsidize the, the data storage of the show Soul Man. <laughs> Good point. Um, let's take a, a brief uh, detour to the B-plot, Todd's first sermon. Yes. Uh, because this is where I feel like there is very little juice, but the only rewards of this episode. Okay, okay. What what the, do you the 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 actual like performance uh, you know of it is is neither here nor there, but it brings in um a oh, character yes. that oh, yes. I think is at least worth mentioning. Um, yes. I adore uh, Elaine Stritch. She I... is playing. Um, this wealthy, old, curmudgeonly donor to the church who apparently has some sway over the decisions that are being made. Um, and so uh, Dan Aykroyd kind of has to curtail to uh, her demands, and she does not want Todd uh, giving the sermon. She does not. So Elaine Stritch, if if you watched a television series called 30 Rock and remember Jack Donaghy <laughs> having an absolutely hysterically funny mom... That is yes. Elaine Stritch, and yes, folks, she was playing a very old, frail woman, like, 20 years before, 15 years before <laughs> 30 Rock was on. Well, uh, she, she goes back to 19, she was born in 1925. She's a, a theater actress. If you want to see a, an absolutely fantastic documentary by an essential documentarian, D.A. Pennebaker, watch uh, Company, the original recording. Uh, it's about the album recording of the t- uh, of the the Broadway play company with Sondheim. Jesus, and, I didn't know she was in uh, company. She she was one of the original cast members, and it is a fascinating look at her doing her like mind boggling song and dance number in that. Um, she is fantastic. She has a uh, amazing documentary of one of her stage shows that I would highly recommend. I'm trying to remember the name of it. I think it's just called, um, oh, it's called Shoot Me. Elaine Stritch, Shoot Me. Uh, came out in 2013. So good. Mm. It, uh, she is just one of the funniest people ever, maybe. And and she is bringing so much to this role and just crushing, like, lines that are not great, but she is no. selling them so hard that they work. She is making everyone else on the show look bad by virtue of how good she is. <laughs> and I'm watching yeah, her. Yeah, you I'm, really feel it. And watching her, I'm like, why is she showing up, like, halfway through the episode? Why isn't the show about her? Like, why is she not a main character? Why is it not right. her name and Dan Aykroyd's name, like like Shelley Long and Ted Danson at the beginning of Cheers, <laughs> like, both on screen what? at once, these are our stars? They they do try to hint at a Sam and Diane uh, dynamic between them to a certain degree. True, true. It's look. It's not cool when sla- when Sam slaps Diane. It's it would be even less cool if Diane was an old woman in a wheelchair when he did it, though. So I can see why it didn't work out here. Um, 
Yeah, it's yeah, no, she she is great and her arguing with him I mean, it is it is I, I don't want to say it's an it's like an early version of Jack Donaghy's mom because that's I mean, I don't know. Presumably she was kind of typecast as the feisty old lady for a long time, but it's interesting yeah. to see she's her so good at it. Honing that. She's great at it. Like her she's been wheeled in by this, you know, she's in a wheelchair and this old nurse or well this like young strapping nurse dude has has wheeled her in to to talk to Mike Weber about why this guy can't give the sermon and then she says, "Oh, I need you to fetch me my water pills from the car." And he and the the nurse walks out and she says, "I don't actually need the pills. I just like looking at his buns when he walks away." And it's <laughs> <laughs> it's um, also just weird hearing you do it in Marty's voice. Yeah, again, Landon, I, I you've played Dungeons and Dragons with me. You know I have one impression that I do. I okay. Look, while we're and actually while we're talking about her asking the guy to go out to the yeah. car for her water pills, she says, you know, where'd you get my pills? I swear to God, I'll never eat Polish food again. So I knew you were going to earmark that to talk about <laughs> there. So there's just like in because, look, there's some other aspects of this show where very clearly it's interesting to me because you can see them like establishing a um, template of like what a home improvement universe show will look like. You can see like the plan, like these are some kind of like visual and audio cues that let you know you're watching something from the home improvement fa- uh, family, mm-hmm. like the the presence of the soul man logo as a sort of soul creep if you will that appears in the in the cold open like not not actively participating in the scene like the grunt creep right oh here's how you know what show you're watching and like there's a little chord from the opening theme song that's you know the same way that you get that on home improvement um and i I would go one further maybe we could talk about them more in a minute but just want to mention while you're on that track the uh um middle boy in their uh, clan of children, uh, Andy Somebody. Weber is 100% a like, let's try to hit that jackpot once again with a precarious JTT type. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, a precocious JTT type. A precarious JTT type is when JTT is like dangling off that waterfall in Wild America. That's what um, I meant. Uh, yeah, okay, well, he's constantly in peril in this episode, yeah. too. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that, um, no, I, I can, t- so much of this feels like, like, them going like, okay, can we make the, ma- can, like, can we recreate the magic? Like, even ABC isn't certain that this is going to work. They're like, ah, it's worth a shot. Let's, you know, can we make it hit again? Do these guys have the magic juice? Does Carmen Finiestra know how to make a, just, just a big string of hit TV shows? Well, and they did. I, and it's, it's Matt Williams, uh, Carmen Finiestra and, and, um, uh, David David McFanson, yeah. who they did have a string uh, of of hits on TV for a long time, uh, including Roseanne. I, I True, don't know yes. If, uh, Carmen oh. and and David were part of that pack, but Matt Williams was, um, and they they seemed to have carte blanche through the '90s because they did Thunder Alley, which didn't end up working. Although I kind of loved that show, it had Ed Asner, Taya Leone, a young, very young um, Haley Joe Osment. Oh, uh, again in that JTT mold. <laughs> yeah, did you know a human brain weighs nine pounds? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> That's not Haley Joel Osment. No, is it, is that Haley Joel Osment in 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 Jerry Maguire? No, no. Who is that in Jerry Maguire? Okay, never mind. You don't tell me who it is in Jerry Maguire. I'll look it up. You okay. talk about you talk about the TV show we're talking about. Uh, no, that's all I wanted to say is that uh, they're clearly aiming for these things work. I, this is where I I. 
I get fatigued with TV shows because you feel the machinery working of the studio and the the executives getting their notes in saying, this made the show a huge hit. Let's just replicate it. And it just often does not work. And it does not work here. Yeah. That's all I got to say. Yeah, that's uh, that's true. I Folks, having hit Control F on the Wikipedia page for Jerry Maguire and typed in Joel, I regret to inform you, Haley Joel Osment was not the kid in Jerry Maguire. Um, I will point out that there have been times in this podcast where I have assumed that one black actor was another black actor, and I feel not great about that. I want to point out that this that I this is really just me being bad knowing what people were in what movies, period, regardless of I race. I mean, you've proven that beyond a shadow of a doubt with just the boys in general. So uh, yes, very true. I it listen. Am I colorblind? Uh, I think that's kind of a racist concept. Am I face blind? Yes, that is a real thing. Um, <laughs> the the point is of all of this, what this is all really about is the uh, the Polish food. I just yes. love one of the <laughs> many connections. One of the many ways that we connect to the home improvement universe is this concept of a. Polish food just being very mainstreamed and popular and like sir like the the same way that like Mexican food is where like you can go to a Chipotle or a Taco Bell or a Del Taco uh there, that it, there's the same number of variety for Polish foods and that it always fucks up your digestion. That's that's not a home improvement universe thing, that's a Detroit universe thing. That's how it, to establish that they're in Detroit. It's real Polish food is really that big out there? Yeah, yes, it is. I mean in a, I, in a big way. I mean, oh, I guess this is, I guess this is on me for not coming from a place with a lot of uh, ethnic white people. Um, I, I, okay, I guess one more thing to do when I'm in, when, when we inevitably do our final episode in Detroit. In Detroit, people just have an affinity for uh, pierogies and uh, Kieslowski films. <laughs> so, look, I think that Elaine Stritch certainly is a high point of, yeah. uh, of this episode. And I, it's really kind of the only high point. Because and even then, even then, like when when they are talking and she's kind of made this ultimatum that that you can't let this guy uh, give the sermon or else, I mean I don't know I don't know what the threat is that she's gonna like veto church or whatever I I, I really don't understand what her job is <laughs> and it, that's not on you they they make a, a a weird assumption with this that's like. They do not go very far to explain it. I can't imagine it's in an episode we didn't see. Maybe it was like the introduction of her character, but this kind of felt like the introduction of her character because they they're talking a little bit about like, oh, this woman's here, and uh, you know, Dan Eckert has a few reactions to like, oh boy, get ready for this one, where then she enters, and then you you get that sense that this is the first time she's on screen. So I can't imagine there was a backstory here that was like, oh, she she holds the deed to the church and wants to destroy it unless they do things exactly how she wants them done. Like, <laughs> but that's kind of <laughs> what the the implication is here. It just they don't go any distance to explain it. And that's kind of, I think, the problem that you get into when you decide to center your sitcom around a reverend is you're just assuming that that uh, uh, the American viewing public, A, is all of the same religion, or B, just kind of knows enough about the intricacies of how a church is run and operated. And, and I guess, C, it unlike other workplace-type sitcoms, 
it sort of eliminates your ability to do the plot where like, oh no, this evil developer is going to buy Cheers and shut it down. It's like, well, you can't buy a church and shut it down. Like a church is kind of always there until the congregation leaves. Well, Um, so here's, um, here's my question. And and another kind of common concern I have is that the, the choice to make him a reverend feels like it was born of, analytics and demographics or they had the rights to the song soul man and they were like how can we use this <laughs> that just come maybe dan Aykroyd bought that <laughs> the rights of that and he's like anywhere he goes soul man yeah. also goes yeah he, yeah, he uses his ghostbusters it's his, money it's his wwe entrance music um <laughs> it's it's just there's always an assistant behind him carrying a briefcase <laughs> that's handcuffed to him with the with the paperwork outlining that he owns the rights to soul man just so he can bust it out if he needs to and he just every once in a while when he meets someone new he just snaps his fingers and puts his hand out and the guy hands him a new pair of sunglasses to hand to the, <laughs> the fan. There's always a saxophonist <laughs> behind him ready just to go. <laughs> but my my point is that making him a reverend and like centering a show around a church feels like some studio executive got this, you know, dot matrix printout of the numbers and saw that all the Nielsen families were like, man, home improvement rates high amongst church going, uh, rural families in the Midwest. We need to center a show around that and bring in all of the elements of home improvement, the precocious, uh, JTT star, the angsty teenager, the, um, you know, the X, Y, and Z of it all. And uh, we're going to have a hit on our hands. And none of it works. It's a calculation that is missing, you know, three or four variables or uh, component. Now, I'm bringing math into church and, like, I don't know what I'm doing at this yeah, point. Yeah. You're smashing one thing you don't get into another thing you don't get. And Landon... <laughs> oh, just hoping it makes sense. I hate, I hate to tell you, one of the books in the Bible is called numbers. So uh, we, we are really straying into territory that uh, neither of us gets. I think... Uh, yeah, can we th- talk about Genesis? I can talk <laughs> about their hits for a while. That was Phil Collins' solo. Um, yeah. Uh, and not just him playing the drum solo, but his solo act as Phil Collins. I, I agree with you. This does feel like... This feels like a lot of shows now, which you're watching it, and it's like... what, like. A show where Craig Robinson is using a nail gun to kill snakes in Florida. Okay, the algorithm told us people wanted this. <laughs> right. No human had a hand yeah, in this. Right. This feels like an early, ver- like this is like the first, the 1.0 version of the algorithm that chooses what TV shows get to exist. <laughs> Spat out like, Dan yeah. Aykroyd is a reverend for children, uh, <laughs> likes motorcycles, dancing, always dancing. Uh like what I will say about what I will say about the pacing of the show, though, and I got pretty off track on this. Edith Stritch's last scene with him, or her, the last moment of the scene where she's telling him that you can't let this guy preach, is yeah. he he says to her, you know, well, if you blas- blaspheme in this house, I'll wheel you off a bridge. And she goes, I know why you talk to me like that. And then we cut to a very like we cut to this very tight close up on her face, huge pause, sexual tension. And it's, like, not a very funny joke. It's a very... But, like, they've... Like... And I know that we make this criticism of home improvement, like, overplaying jokes that aren't necessarily great. But, like, this... The way they cut... They punch in so close onto her face as though she's going to say... 
deliver the biggest line and we need to get every <laughs> moment of her saying this. It, it's just the show does a lot of that where it tries to sell a weak joke with just yes. dramatic editing or other people reacting. And it's that is, I think, part of maybe why we're reacting so poorly to it is, is it feels like we're being elbowed and prodded into into yeah. into a laugh. Here's a better punchline. Yes. You like my buns. <laughs> and then just make her a character who's obsessed with people's buns. <laughs> yeah, like like Tina on Bob's Burgers has <laughs> really, like, you know, that's yes. been a massive innovation in the field of TV characters <laughs> who are obsessed with butts. It's always good. <laughs> uh, okay, so I want to point out one more thing in this this particular subplot about Todd giving his first sermon, which, you know, um, I... I I, I, I don't really want to criticize too much Anthony Clark. I mean, he's doing, he's got a good, he, okay. I don't fault the actor at all. The, the stand-up comedian. He's yeah. got a, he, uh, I mean, from an actor standpoint, you're given a recurring role, a starring role on a sitcom that on the paper is like, this is going to be a hit and it's not. And you're given shitty things to have to try to say and act. And they aren't funny, not by any fault of yours. Yeah. Um, he is, his character, that character is just so, slips off my brain. <laughs> More than Brad does, actually. Yeah, he's really sort of, uh, again, yeah, he's really sort of a, for the fact that he is the linchpin of this episode, or at least one of the plots in this episode, mm-hmm. he doesn't really make much of an impression for a character who's supposed to be so bumbling and stupid. He's not particularly funny at those things. Um, and again, not take, not trying yep. to take anything away from Anthony Clark. No, not at all. Uh, but it is in his storyline that I think the show almost had a moment of transcendence to like, oh, if it could be this then there's something there. But, of course, it's playing that middle line so much that it would never take this chance. But when he's up there giving his sermon, uh, and mm-hmm. let's just give some some uh, synopsis and details of this. He's ready to get... The reason he wants to give his first sermon is that he uh, was criticizing Mike Webbers for not being, uh, what was it, apocalyptically... Uh, 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 ap- apocalyptic, uh, episti- uh Hang on a second. Uh, 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 it's really not that yeah, important. It's but. not. It's not rude. His he says that Mike Weber's previous sermon was not rooted in apocalyptic eschatology. He's he's <laughs> fresh out of divinity school. He has a lot of like hoity-toity yeah. book learning about Christianity, and he thinks that everybody else does too. He's gonna start in his own mind. You know, um, the voice of God is gonna reign through him, speaking in Latin while reading the the Bible verses. Yeah, and he, he's practicing this, and you know, it's clearly he's got some delusions of grandeur when he gets up there. Uh, and Mike Webber, Webster, Weber or Webster, Weber, uh, Weber has uh. Uh, Dan Aykroyd, the Croyd, has warned him, like, you're going to, you got to make people feel God, uh, not preach to them. And God, what, you, God's God's the musician, you're just the amp, or something like that. So it all <laughs> right. comes back to singing the blues. Stupid fucking metaphors. But um, he's like, you're, if you go in the direction you're going, you're going to start to hear the things that any reverend dreads hearing. Uh, candy wrappers, coughing, sneezing, falling asleep, and yawns. And he's like, 
bullshit, I'm going to show you something, Mr. Mike Weber, played by Dan Aykroyd. Uh, Mr. Mr. Uh, Mr. Reverend Mike Weber, played by Dan Aykroyd, you're just scared that once your congregation hears how totally hot shit my sermon is, that they'll never want to go back to your boring, pasty-ass sermons. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And so, okay, that's that's the backstory for this. He gets up there day of. It's it's game show time. A uh, game show time? Game time? Yeah, game show time. Yeah, yeah, no, fuck. it's game show. It's game show time. It's, it's the this big is game. what uh... <laughs> it's the big big game show time. Um he and he starts to to give his sermon and all of a sudden he starts to um sputter out the way that I am in the middle of trying to explain this and uh someone unwraps a candy wrapper and it throws him off further and elaine stritch uh coughs really hard and then he looks uh in the back as he's like really starting to freak out and he sees jesus (laughs) (laughs) jesus yawn and there's this like slow push in on his face it doesn't quite hit the moment exactly like I wish they had like slam zoomed into his face while he's looking at Jesus yawning and judging him. But yes. it's just this real kind of like passing moment of Jesus is yawning. There's a slow push in and then it cuts back to Jesus and it transforms into just some regular parishioner there. Um, yeah. I. Th- but so if they had gone like full bore uh, hallucinations, <laughs> like go a little more Chris Elliott, get a lifestyle with it, like – yeah. That would have been interesting. You're you're immediately tossing out a show so confrontationally unconventional, like the the like just just be more like Chris Elliott get a get a life, a show that it is a miracle that it ever was on TV for any amount of time. <laughs> I I I agree with you. Like that moment of Jesus yawning, I kind of was like, wait, wait, am I watching the same show? This is this is a kind of like bold and funny uh, uh, place to go. And I yeah, I wish the show was being more weird like that. Of and maybe that's another problem with making a show about a reverend in the late 90s, like, that's supposed to be a comedy. You can't joke around that hard about the nature yeah. of the work that he does. Like, you can joke around about, like, oh, I don't want people falling asleep during my sermon. But you can't joke around about, like, the notion of, of you know, hallucinating that, that Jesus is bored by you. or like I mean, you can't yeah. do that here. But, like, not, you can't really not get on, into Not on ABC people. and not when you're trying to be a family show. Like, if this was on Comedy Central in 1997, yes. you know, all, all bets are off. And that would have been a much more interesting show. But... Uh, uh, yeah, a you show can't that, have it both ways. A show that is actually like kind of subversive about God and about Christianity and about belief. Like you can tap you know into what? some of that dogma energy they had going in 1997. This you you talking this through really just brought it to a head for me, which is the tenor of this show is the same as your local cool guy pastor making jokes uh, at Bible study. Yeah, yeah uh, uh, yes, this this show is seated on a chair that has been flipped around, and, and sure <laughs> enough, the baseball cap also has been. Listen, guys, I know your hormones are, are raging right now, uh, but before you dedicate yourself to someone else, you got to dedicate yourself to the guy, the guy upstairs first. You know, like, there, there's a, a certain, like, softball humor that is just kind of hard to take when you're used to... I hate to say it, and I, I am certainly not advocating for it, but, like, to go from home improvement where Tim is, like, bashing women <laughs> week after week to 30 minutes later and you're softballing Jesus jokes to a family crowd. It's it's just – it's weird and doesn't work. Hey, hey, everybody. 
you know how much I love to, you know, work on my old motorcycle out here in the garage. You know something else we got to work on? Our personal what? relationships with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's... A reverend who works on motorcycles? <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah. A dancing reverend who likes to ride a motorcycle? That's not common. I'm not, I'm not like I'm not like most other people who preach the word of God. You know, I it reminds How? me of some other prophet who wasn't quite like all the others, but he made a big splash. I'm just talking about Jesus. <laughs> then we can dig it. Uh, again, Isaac Hayes' uh, involvement in this show goes very deep. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it. I I agree. It's like, yeah, even when home home improvement is. It can be edgy, and sometimes it's edgy in a way that we don't like. But then you come to a show that is just has no edge whatsoever. It's um, it's just it's just completely dull. It's like any band that isn't you two. When they're not able to take those chances, I feel like it's almost completely derailed them from logic. Because I want to take a second now that we've we've covered what happens with uh, with Todd's story to talk about how it wraps up. Yes. And I, I say that knowing I'm getting myself into having to talk about Dan Aykroyd dancing, and I, I'm going to do my best not to get wound up about it. But more like, more like dance Aykroyd. Oh my God! Why would you do that to me? I, okay, I, because <laughs> because it's there, Landon. Because it's there, and there's no social contract, and I have to say something. <laughs> okay, Todd is up there just bottoming out he's not doing well in front of everyone he's stumbling over his words he's not you know yeah. uh you, you please think, edit that part out you, you'd think uh yeah yeah we'll, we'll see you'd think that in divinity school there's maybe one public speaking class perhaps, yeah right too given that public speaking is a huge part of the job uh, again apparently please explain how church works so he's a gog uh up there on the pulpit and Dan Aykroyd, uh, playing Reverend Mike Weber, decides to step in and help. And he, he says for a moment ov- over to the side uh, uh, to his uh, mentor, the uh, bishop, I guess. Yeah. Bishop Peter Jerome. And I want to talk about uh, Dink and Matthews in a minute. But um, he, he says over, you know, you better get him off there. And uh, Mike Weber says, well, you got to die first to be resurrected. Buff. That's the sort of humor we're getting here. Yeah. He decides to stand up and save him, save Todd from this embarrassment. And what does he do? He walks over and uh, he he gets the gospel choir involved. Yep. Let's oh take boy. this beat. I want to I want to slow jam this for a second. So he goes uh, he goes to Todd and says, I, "Forgive me. I'm forgetting the exact words in exchange." He says, here, "But tell it, Father he Todd." He's like, "I don't know what to say." I don't know what to say. And he, he gets the choir to chime in and say, don't know what to say. I don't and... know what to say. <laughs> this is exactly as good as it was on the show, folks. I normally would argue with you, but here I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, and so Todd just kind of sputters out a number of phrases that Dan Aykroyd then gets the gospel choir to sing. That actually have no meaning. There's no like turnaround into uh, uh, like turning it into prayer, turning it into a psalm, transitioning it, segueing it into anything that makes a lick of sense. It's just taking nonsense that Todd is saying, having it sung by a choir, and then amping up the energy to the point where they could start dancing. Yeah, so so the you know uh, I don't know what to say. Choir goes I don't know what to say, and then and then. Uh, 
Reverend Mike Weber, as played by Dan Aykroyd, uh, turns back to uh, Todd and goes, why have we gathered? And the choir repeats him, why have we gathered? And Todd just goes, "Uh, we've gathered to pray. And then the choir sings, got to pray, got to pray. And yeah, so so the... What what he had started out saying when when uh, Reverend Mike Weber is played by Dan Aykroyd intervenes in the first place he's just been stammering oh lordy oh lordy and then yeah. at this point after they sing God to pray God to pray they all just they just start singing lordy oh lordy don't know what to say we've gathered here we've gathered here to pray and they just keep vamping that and then Dan Aykroyd <laughs> starts that's dancing it. that's it that's, that's the, the whole thing that's the sermon. Fade out on Dan Acker dancing and the congregation on their feet clapping along and singing along. Yeah, this is the dumbest congregation in the world. If they're like, well, okay, it seems like it seems like there was it was a really shitty sermon, but then then we sang some nonsense words and then yeah. we crossfaded to the end of church. So I guess we did that for an hour. Like these people are then, impressed by that. Let's dovetail that back to the other plot of the the rebellious son and the he's got his girlfriend son. there with him yeah and his girlfriend as they're on their way out arm in arm stops uh in front of reverend mike weber played by dan Aykroyd, and says wow you uh you really know how to dance that was really cool and reverend mike weber played by dan Aykroyd, says well you know um god what was his name uh, uh kenny uh, kenny Kenny taught me everything I know. And she's like, really? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. He's the man. And they <sighs> walk out arm in arm. And Kenny, after they disappear, <laughs> he pops back in and gives Dan Aykroyd a smile. And Dan Aykroyd just has like a little satisfied moment like, yeah, we're good. I taught him something and he respects me now. And it was like one of the most egregious this doesn't work yet. Let's just shove it down their throat <laughs> approach to comedy and, and storytelling I've ever seen. The, the, the simple fact that like, we're not related to Reverend Mike Weber as played by famed comedy actor, Dan Aykroyd. And I, I would say both of us felt very humiliated watching him dancing around up on stage. So that the show is then telling us like, <laughs> no, this teenage girl, thought it was amazing and is even more taken with her boyfriend now and in fact is elated to know that he taught those moves to his father um, it's it's like when i'm them assuming i'm bought into the premise of dan Aykroyd dancing as cool and fun is like me being in the car asking my phone to call my mom and it calls like an ex and I'm, it's, I'm like no don't call the ex he's like okay calling your ex and i'm like no don't call my ex call my mom <laughs> like it's doing the thing I'm actively saying don't do and that I'm not on board with. It's like, cool, you're on board with that. Then we're going to just keep going with that assumption. Cause you know, that you're, if, if maybe you have a Freudian phone in that case, who really knows? Um, <laughs> I, what I also, a, a it, Freudian phone as opposed to a, a Croydian phone, which is what <laughs> we're talking about here. The, the Croydian phone is the phone that Dan Aykroyd used to phone in all of these performances. Um, <laughs> I it, the 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 reaction to him dancing and the girl thinking it's cool. It reminds me of the uh, Arrested Development episode where uh, George Michael and his uh, bland girlfriend Anne have broken up, and he's bereft by this. But then, uh, uh, at a school assembly, video of of a younger George Michael uh, 
pretending to be in a Star Wars movie, like doing uh, doing Star Wars kid stuff with a broomstick <laughs> attacking that viral a mannequin. Video? Yeah, that uh, that shows. And then afterwards, he, Anne comes back up to him and says, do you really know all those totally sweet moves? And it's like <laughs> it's like the, a big joke and a big laugh that only someone as dorky as Anne would find these moves cool. And yeah. but but this scene kind of does the same bit but plays it straight like these moves are clearly yes. dorky but the kids think they're great i don't know i <laughs> the and so here's the thing chairman the 15 seconds from when dan Aykroyd starts dancing to the delivery of those lines of wow you were so cool up there reverend mike weber um how you know how did you get how did you get to be so so dank and cool uh that 15 seconds of time is stretched out for Two hours over the course of Blues Brothers 2000. That feeling you had in those moments <laughs> is an eternity for two hours with the most egregious appropriation. Okay, okay. I mean, so so what you're saying is this was the test run. This episode really was what Dan Eckerd walked away from filming was like, by golly, people bought that. I should make another Blues Brothers movie. We don't yeah. need that other guy. It was all about me the whole time. <laughs> Uh, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't even want to speculate anymore. I, it's gotta be like, okay, soul man didn't take off the way I thought I got to go back to my roots. Uh, what was the big thing back in the day? Oh yeah. Blues brothers made me famous. I'm going to go back to that. Even though the thing that made it work, uh, he's dead now. And I'm going to bring on John Goodman and Sully, his good name and Joe Morton and Sully, his good name. And, uh, a little kid, a, a JTT mold, if you will. Yeah, um, and ruin Every, his life forever. People were trying. Ev- everybody was trying to to get another JTT to fire at that time. I would have loved to have been a a precocious young child actor in the late 1990s because that is when that is when everybody was like there was so much demand for. Okay, who's the next one going to be? You know what, Truman? I I I was just gonna I was gonna make a big announcement here. Yeah. Uh, Southland Tales annoyed me to a really large degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, the blind side was offensive to me uh, in a very deep way, but I don't think there's a movie that I have railed on in a deeply existential way the way that I have Blues Brothers 2000. I think I, right now, right here, I'm going to make the announcement that I think it is hands down the worst movie I've ever seen. It takes the number one spot. Okay. I mean, I... A, I'll, I'll totally accept that. B, I'm not sure that this is the first time you've said that you think it's the worst movie of all time. I said time. it's amongst the worst. But oh, it's amongst I, the I think wor- this it's, is okay. People are waiting doubt, on bated I... breath to see what sinks to the bottom. Yes, <laughs> this is at the the tippy bottom. The tippy bottom. This is this is yeah. uh, this has been weighted down with lead and chains to sink all the way. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, and again, I. I would remind our listeners who who are only just now tuning in and have skipped to this point in the episode, you know, kind of close <laughs> to the end, which is really the only way to listen to our podcast. Uh, we are not talking, uh, or we were not talking, about Blues Brothers 2000. We were talking about Soul Man, a show that kind of just, like, tries to scrape some of the, the, the foam off of the top of a Blues Brothers performance and, and turn that into a show about uh, church, I guess. Um, yeah. I think if if we're if we're starting to collect final thoughts, I, I want to toss out one one thing that is just been kind of that I've been wanting to say all episode, and okay. that's that four children 
is too many children. And that is oh, a boy. that's kind of my that that's low-key my my belief in real life, but also particularly I mean it for a sitcom. Um you shouldn't have a character have four kids. That's just too many kids. Three kids. What about the Brady Bunch? The Brady Bunch, I, I mean, that's... Well, I guess each of them had three kids, and then they got together, and then there were six. Well, and also, the whole point of the Brady Bunch is, holy fuck, this is a shitload of kids. Okay, fine. <laughs> the point of this show is supposed to be like, oh, he's a dad, but he's also a reverend. It's like, there's so many... It's, it's a lot of kid characters mm. to keep track of. And also, furthermore, two of the kids... Yeah are kind of too young to really work on TV. Like, they're, they're you know not what? young enough to really have... And I'm not smashing on child actors here. No, smashing uh, no. has bad connotations. I'm not slamming child actors here. That also sounds bad. I'm not criticizing child actors here. <laughs> I'm just saying there's a certain age at which a child actor is able to kind of deliver jokes in a way and, and like, have the charisma you need for a show. And they have not I, one but two kids who are underneath that cutoff. And I think that really hurts I, the series. I think you've got a really interesting point here. I, I'm going through all the shows in my head, and three seems to be the magic number. The yeah. second, like I'm thinking, um, uh, oh my god, not Facts of Light, Growing Pains. Yeah. Uh, the second that they bring in like Leonardo DiCaprio, the the fourth kid, it starts to wane a little yes. bit. They're like, we need to inject some more. Um, storylines into this, some new dynamics. Let's bring in a new kid. Uh, every show that's done that, I feel like starts to have diminishing returns. Um, so I think you've you've got something there mathematically. I'm not even going to touch the how many kids should a single person have in their lifetime uh, no. debate. I mean, I have my own personal opinions. I'm not going to spout them over the airwaves. But look, 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 listeners out there who are t looking for family planning advice from Truman and Landon, don't. You have as many kids as you feel like having. If you're making a TV show, though, I think the thing yeah. to keep in mind is that we watch a sitcom, even if we're watching a family sitcom, and even if, like, children are a part of, of the dynamic in a family, but I think... Once you get past three, you've hit this critical mass where suddenly all we're doing is thinking about kids, and that's I my right. understanding is that's what being a parent is like. And most people <laughs> watching TV don't want to really go they into escape that. from it. They, they want to escape from that. They want to go to a world where children are, exist to be adorable and have two or three good jokes and then disappear. So uh, shenanigans can happen. Well, um, it, it's it's interesting. I, I'm also I'm just trying to think of examples like uh, Roseanne where or even home improvement where you almost have to have a a sameness or a a um a difference like you have to be on opposite ends of the spectrum so like on Roseanne you have an older sister you have a um you know a middle sister and then a younger brother yeah. and you're able to play with the dynamics between the differences of like <laughs> DJ versus um Oh, my God, I can't remember Sarah Gilbert's name on the show. Uh, Darlene. Oh, my God, how did I forget yeah. that? Yeah, oof, oof. Uh, embarrassing. But then, like, on Home Improvement, and, and I'm also thinking of, like, um, Family Ties, where you've got the difference between Justine Bateman and, and Michael J. Fox, where you can kind of play the competition between them a little bit because they're the same age. Same on Home Improvement. you got three boys basically the same age, and so you're able to squeeze out the the – stories of what would come of that here it's it's too much of both you've got one really old teenager who's a senior in high school and then you've got like a, 
a toddler walking around. Yeah, yeah. It's it also yeah. It's it's just too much of a range because it's like you kind of either want to engage with a family where all the kids are. I like I and I'm not saying this in real life, but I'm saying this in terms of a TV show. If you're going to invite this family into your house, it's like okay, if they if all of their kids are like over the age of twelve, I know what kind of hijinks I'm going to be getting. If all their children are <laughs> under twelve, I know what kind of stuff is going to be happening. If it's this wide range, it's like well, okay, wait, is this going to be a preschool like yeah. themed cutesy episode? Is this going to be making out with girls on the couch episode? And it just goes back to my point of I. it feels like studio notes saying we want something for everyone. So let's have the precocious you know, little kid in there. And we also want the teenage stories and the, the teenage rebellion with the parent uh, to show how hard it is for a single dad to raise four kids. So let's make an older teen in there. And it, it just is too much of a mess and appeals to no one by trying to appeal to everybody. Uh, yeah, again, it's the algorithm at work. You just told us this was going to work. <laughs> uh, I mean, I wanted to talk a little bit about Dank and Matthews uh, before we ended, but I guess I don't have to too much. No, we can talk I about just, Dank and I, Matthews. No, that's right. He he plays uh, the bishop, and um, he's just a, a pretty prolific character actor who um, I've always enjoyed. Uh, he has 167 credits uh, from things like uh, True Grit, Child's Play 3, which I love, mm. uh, <laughs> Lincoln, um, and many other things. He's currently on the Gilded Age on HBO. Tri- um, I, I love I love that trifecta of True Grit, Child's Play Three, and Lincoln. You know, that's that's the <laughs> that's the three DVD set that you're always finding at Costco. Well, I mean, he he's that he's just got this range because he's like he's in Veep, he's in Parks and Recreation, but he's also in Dexter and Bridge of Spies. Like he can kind of fit in anywhere. Which goes to my point because I saw him once in a uh, rendition of Hamlet. Uh, he wasn't mm. playing Hamlet, but um, I thought you know he was fantastic, and so and I was very familiar with him before I had seen him on the stage play. So um, in playing on stage, my God, my brain. <laughs> this episode has broken my brain. I, I can't mean, talk about Solomon anymore. I like I like Dakin Matthews is all I'm saying. Yeah, like like look, home improvement breaks our brain every episode. So if nothing else, we're seeing that that Soul Man is not that far <laughs> off. No, I feel like I've got a season of home improvement breaking my brain from one episode of Soul Man. Yeah, yeah, Soul Man again. I I, I think it, more, more than like anything, break your Soul Man. I- <laughs> I think that, uh, yeah, more than anything, this just makes me think I need to go back and rewatch the last two episodes of Home Improvement that we were so critical of, because this makes Home Improvement look an <laughs> awful lot better. Like, even when, even when everything egregious, is... egregious, though. This is just, like, bad entertainment. It's just, like, uh, you put this on while you're yeah. sitting in an awkward, like, your, your parents just had a fight, and you had to, like, let the air out of the room for a little bit. <laughs> This is this is yeah, this is something that's uh, playing on TV in the background while you are like making out with your first girlfriend and it's not going very well. Um, I I think that I I don't know. I I just like I agree even but even an egregious episode of Home Improvement that is problematic and makes uh, makes us little social justice warrior soy boys uh, upset. (laughs) uh, Even then, you can look at like the dynamic between Patricia Richardson and Jonathan Taylor Thomas mm-hmm. and be like, oh, 
There, there's like, oh, okay, there's some real yeah. sparks there. There's some real affection between the between these two. Or like, you can see like, you know, moments Mark, of, of good performance out of uh, Tim Allen. Yeah, t- yeah. Or, or like, really, because everyone, everyone on that show is really well cast and is all working really well together. And everyone on Soul Man is. With the exception of Elaine Stritch, uh, everyone is is not very well cast, and it just it doesn't feel, um, you know, it just doesn't feel Co- good cohesive? to watch any moment of it. Yeah, it <laughs> doesn't, doesn't feel, feel cohesive. Good. I mean, we don't need to go any deeper than that. It just doesn't feel good. Yep, that's that's our review. It's it's uh, don't watch it. Currently, it's easier. Currently, it's easier to see Soul Man than it is to see Home Improvement because this is available free on YouTube and Home Improvement is yeah. not. But I would still tell you, don't do it. Look at a wall instead. <laughs> Yet we still talked about it for an hour and twenty minutes. Yes, we still um, did. Well, Truman, my God, uh, we've got. A co- is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to no, talk about? No, 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 no. We 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 talked about way more than there was to talk about for this show. Okay, and I I just I hope I hope at this point. I can put Blues Brothers 2000 behind me. I hope there's nothing else in my life that's going to remind me of that that I have to engage with on this level. I so I, I hope that, but given that you've repeatedly tried to put Quentin Tarantino behind you and had... Oh, uh, why? I didn't... Oh, Truman, you ruined it for me. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I almost I'm so- went today without hearing his name. <laughs> oh, you man. son of a bitch. I'll never I, forgive you. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was hired to do viral marketing for uh, the sequel book that he's writing, to the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood book. It's going to be great, <laughs> Landon. Hundreds of pages of details about feet and old deep cut movie huh. trivia that he thinks only he knows. Okay. Fucking... Jesus. Okay, like even more negative. That's what they come here for. All right. All well, right, so. and that's what I was going to mention is uh, <laughs> our bonus episodes coming up. I don't know. <laughs> We're gonna have to do something. We're gonna have to do something to address this negativity issue because I think we've got some pretty not fun things ahead of us. Okay, so we gotta find it. a way to make them fun. Well, yeah, here's the number one way to have a good time. Watch Galaxy Quest, a perfect film starring Tim <laughs> Allen of the TV series Home Improvement. Done, cut, yeah. print. Oh, well, maybe maybe that's what we have to do. I think in these uh, bonus episodes, I think what we can do for the first time of our show is look ahead as opposed to only looking at what is playing concurrently with the show. Because mm. a lot of, I'd say the majority of the cast's body of work outside of Home Improvement happens after Home Improvement. So, you know, Santa Claus 2 and 3, uh, Crazy on the Outside, um, Galaxy Quest, all of these happen after the show's over. So maybe maybe we start doing movies um, from the future. Yeah, maybe we do. I mean, future films, why not? I mean, why, look, why not? Hey, why what? don't we do County Line? Oh, the, the one with Patricia Richardson toting a shotgun. Oh, wait, about the yeah, about the is that the sequel to the Lifetime drama about the about the sheriff and and wait, what's and what's the one with Richard Carn on a farm, the Carn farm, <laughs> Carn farm? Uh, I don't know about that one. I, I'm pretty. I'm I, listen. Either I dreamed it, or there's a movie where Richard Carn works on a farm, and and a young girl is involved. It might have horses in it. I don't know. Um, <laughs> that could be fun. Well, I'm on be board. Whatever experience. it is. Yeah, Carn Farm. We're we're doing it. It's <laughs> it's going to be great. Uh, if 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 the movie doesn't exist, we're going to cast Richard Carn and and rent some <laughs> some barnyard animals and make and make something that will probably still be better than the TV series Soul Man. Carn Farm. Perfect. I love it. Um, 
Well, so we've got some bonus episodes coming up. I think we're going to keep them a little bit of a secret, mostly uh, so that we can adjust as necessary on our break and find what works for us. Um, but I do want to mention, before we go into the outro, uh, A, we want to hear from you what uh, kind of bonus episodes you want us to, to do. Tell uh, us. Sound off to us on Twitter, Instagram, or our Discord channel. Yep. Uh and that we are going to do a guest spot. Truman and I are going to appear Ooh. on another podcast. Can you believe and, that? And and wait, is the podcast Tope Suicida? It's not? <laughs> it's not. Uh no. Okay. So I, I I don't know. I don't want to go too deep into this, but I always feel a tinge of protectiveness of people getting into the podcast world when it comes to home improvement. Yes. Uh, but there are a couple of guys who have started a podcast called Microphone Carnival. Oh, yes. And it's all about Richard Carn, and ah, they have so invited good. us on their show. We're going to do that in the next few weeks, and we'll certainly uh, let you know when and where you can listen to it. But you can check them out right now. They've got episodes currently available at Microphone Carnival, wherever you... Um, I, actually, I threw the Al on that. It's just yeah, I know that's 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 like me doing a title on an episode. Yeah. You see how easy it is now. <laughs> You've worked it your way everywhere. into my brain, Truman. <laughs> I yeah, and it only took me five years plus the other five years of friendship before that. Um, and and look, oh, I man. agree. I agree with you that people should not start podcasts about home improvement. But the microphone carnival guys have the benefit of being Canadian, so they have health insurance <laughs> that will cover whatever psychological damage is done by watching the show. Well, it's not specifically about home improvement. It's about Richard Karn. And True. so I'm I'm all on board for that. Like they're just taking the the icing. They're just eating the Oreo stuffing and they're leaving well, the bad stuff out. I, no, but they're still watching a lot of home improvement episodes. So like, yeah, you're getting some icing, but you're getting some Also, I mean, no, icing is the worst stuff on a cake in terms of of your health. You like the icing is even well, no, less nutritious eating than cake the cake for their health. Well, no. eating, you you tolerate the 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 cake part to to enjoy the the icing part i i listen a carrot cake i feel like that's a thing that people do for their health because uh you know why why would you eat carrots otherwise um <laughs> look we don't, we don't need we don't, we don't need to debate the reasons why people eat cake landon because that's something i could go back and forth with you about for several hours <laughs> well the point is we'll microphone carnival a- Listen we'll to save it. that for a topic when we're on microphone carnival and maybe yes. speculate as to what richard karn's favorite cake is so don't answer now. We right don't want now. to spoil it. Okay, okay. I'm we got to. We got to. Yeah, guys, you got to listen to this episode because I'm cooking up some brilliant ideas. I'm baking some <laughs> brilliant ideas about what cakes Richard Carn likes. Okay, so, <laughs> so uh, microphone carnival, carnival. Uh, check them out. We'll be there soon, and we'll let you know when you can uh, hear them. Not, um, not to be confused with the podcast about the HBO series Carnival. Completely different thing, <laughs> which is actually a pretty good show. Yeah, uh, pe- people keep telling me, and I keep not watching it, so uh, I don't know I mean, what we're going to do. It's two seasons without a, any closure, so, you know, don't necessarily start, but... Uh, okay. okay, yeah. Echoes of Deadwood. Um, yes. Uh, we, I don't know what we're going to bring you next time, but it'll be something fun, and the Super Spectacular is coming soon, so uh, stay tuned to this channel, and you're going to get some cool stuff. So uh, if you liked today's episode and want to help us make this show possible be like our patrons and subscribe over at patreon.com slash gruntworkpod for only uh as little as one dollar you can get access to our entire gruntwork nights episodes and be notified uh and not- oh my god <laughs> i'm trying to go from memory and i 
and every Gruntwork Nights episode it. is this level of quality. You get you get access to to this just it's not worth a dollar. Hundreds of episodes of this. Everyone, just stay away from our Patreon. Uh, <laughs> stop by to say hi to us on Twitter or Instagram at Gruntwork Pod and leave us a rating. <laughs> Are you wherever you listen to podcasts? Holy shit, this has unraveled me. I don't know what's going on. The, the same thing that goes on in 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 two thirds of the episodes we make. I, I think we have we have more fucked up outros on record than we do clean ones. Go to our website, which is www.artworkpodcast.com slash some kind of joke thing that I do. I, I'm I'm evidently not doing as well either. It's hot in my office. <laughs> All right. Uh, and until next time when we bring you a bonus episode of Grunt Work, I've been Landon Solano. I've been Truman Caps. And remember, the power of Christ compels you to keep listening to our podcast even though it hurts you. 